What to do, where to eat, and people you should know. This is Nashville Lifestyles, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nashville Lifestyles, the podcast. My name is Brian Berry. I'm the publisher of the magazine, and I'm joined with our editor and my friend, Allison Hudak, also my co-host. How are you, Allison? I'm good. We want to thank our uh, sponsor, Gaylord and Soundwaves, for making this possible. They have been so uh, supportive to us through the podcast. We couldn't do it without you, so we thank you and encourage everybody to go try out Soundwaves. We love it. So today we have a, a very special podcast. Um, we're a little bit more serious today than we've been in the past, but this is an important conversation, I think, to have. Um, so as everyone remembers, uh, March of last year, it's been right out of year. I think it was March 2nd, if, if memory serves, late in the evening, we experienced a terrible tornado in Nashville that tore through East Nashville and went up kind of the east side and left a lot of devastation and cost us some lives as well. Um, our May issue, because this happened in March, we made the cover and feature of our May issue about the tornado and Nashville strong. And obviously here we are a year later through all sorts of things, including this pandemic and, and everything uh, that we're living through, we as a city are recovering. So one, one of the very important stories that came out of all this was about the bar Attaboy. Um, and so we're joined today by one of the partners, Brandon Bram Hall. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Thank you for joining us again. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. So I want to first talk about Attaboy in case people haven't been there. I've been there. Allison, I know, has been there several times. Uh, I think it's a very unique bar. So I want you to tell us about it. I won't say too much because I get excited about drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Attaboy started in 2013 uh, in New York City, but it, its roots go back as far as the year 2000. Me and my business partners were all kind of brought up and mentored by a gentleman named Sasha Petrosky. Sasha was a native New Yorker and in the late 90s had an idea to start a bar. Landlord, who was not really amenable to having a bar in there, is a is the father of one of his childhood friends. Kind of in service of, of having a little bit of comfort and knowing Sasha, uh, the landlord agreed, you know, you can put a bar here, but I don't want to know there's a bar in that space because I live upstairs. It's a neighborhood spot. You know, all are welcome, but pretty much, you know, you got to bring a friend in for your first time. And so it was just because he didn't want to blow it out. It's only about 25 seats in there. It was more or less, you know, if you got taken there, you know, and you brought a well-behaved friend, everything was cool. You know, word got out and someone approached him about writing an article about it, which he uh, politely declined because of the agreement with the landlord. Um, so he's like, listen, you know, it's kind of you. Yes, you know, that wouldn't hurt the business, but... I've got kind of an agreement with my landlord. I don't really want to have a line down the block. And the person went and wrote it anyway. And within, you know, within a week or two, uh, you know, the landlord's like, Hey man, got like tons of people outside. What's going on? And he's like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll make changes. And, you know, what was kind of born from that was what a lot of cocktail bars have mimicked in the last 20 years is kind of that speakeasy thing. So he had to revert to, a reservation system and a membership system to kind of call some of that foot traffic and some of that, um, you know, sidewalk presence to satisfy the landlord. And so kind of, he ended up with this cocktail bar where he had to be a member and it was kind of private and this whole thing, which he never really set out to do, but he rolled with it because that was the only way he's going to keep his business pretty much turned into what is Attaboy now. Get in tune with Nashville's only upscale resort water experience, Soundwaves. 
This is where music and water meet, where you can soak up the sounds while you soak up some rays. This is how you can tune in or tune out and immerse yourself in a world of pure indulgence. Chill vibe or thrill ride, surfs up or float on by. This is what you've been dreaming of. This is Soundwaves at Gaylord Opryland. Book today at soundwavesgo.com. Welcome back to National Lifestyles, the podcast. We are joined with Brandon Bramhall from Attaboy. Uh, so what we're talking about today is a little bit of a tough thing to really uh, relive, I can imagine, for you. So I apologize for that. Uh, like we said, Attaboy is super cool. I've been there. I know, Allison, you've been there several times. And it was, gosh, I cannot believe it has been a year. I remember that morning, well, late that night, waking up to phone calls and text messages about everything that was going on in Nashville and that the tornado had come through town and my best friend lives literally across the street in that uh, Eastland lofts and the building was hit, was still standing, but there was no power anywhere. People didn't know what was going on, what had been damaged, what hadn't been damaged. It was, it was, I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word chaos, but no one knew what was going on. Um, so I wanted to talk about that and kind of what your experience was, you know, during that time with the, with the tornado. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I was actually living down the road at the time I was at the Clio, um, just across from the mm, peninsula. Super close. Oh yeah. Super close. And, uh, you know, we had just opened up Lakeside. So I kind of made the decision of, to try to move very close to everything just to be there for that first year and, um, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, night of was, um, you know, kind of a strange one. I actually was supposed to fly out, um, to go to Charleston the next morning. Um, so I was kind of tying up my loose ends that day. I wasn't working per se, uh, on the bar, but, um, I was just kind of getting a bunch of things set up. So I was going to be gone for like half a week. And, uh, I was at the bar, about 10 minutes before it hit. So I oh, had wow. actually just headed home before things really picked up. Um, but I had no idea, you know, I, I had, you know, kind of heard like, Oh, we're due for a severe thunderstorm tonight. Maybe some rain, some heavy winds. Mm-hmm. And definitely when I stepped outside, I knew it was like, Oh, the humidity is pretty high. That's definitely, definitely going to be a storm. Um, yeah. But you know, had, I think, you know, we had a 2% chance of tornado that night. So, I mean, very, yeah, very low. it was low. Very low. In comparison, I mean, the weeks following, I feel like we got we got several tornado warnings that were all at 5%. Yep. Um, so, it kind of give you context of how how kind of rare that, that 2% actually came to fruition. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of in a similar boat, as you said, like not really knowing what's going on. I, I got home and I literally had my duffel bag on the floor just packing and got that alert that went off on my phone and I was like, okay, winds are picking up, like, you know, but it's that common thing of, you know, I've grown up in the Northeast and been through plenty of hurricanes and, you know, you have planning and foresight to those sort of things. Um, and I've lived here about four years and anytime a tornado warning comes up, you're like, like two counties away, you know? Um, Yeah. It never, it never hits home. Like it's, it's one of those things where we get the alert. And I'm like, I'm from Florida. I'm the same way. Like I've been through plenty of hurricanes and it's always like, oh, okay, we'll keep an eye on the news, like keep an ear out, whatever. But it, it you never, it, it never comes to you. So you never think it's going to come to me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that was, I mean, really up until I looked, I was on the fifth floor and up until I looked out of my balcony and saw debris flying above the building that I started Oof. to get worried. And then my phone rang like two minutes later. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was my staff member, you know, just kind of saying, Hey man, like it's kind of chaos down here. You, you got to try to get down here if you can. Uh, we don't really know what to do. We don't really, really know what's going on. Um, and they just kind of articulated, you know, what, what they, what they were seeing at the time. And that, you know, in part it was, um, you know, just kind of, Hey, like we think the roof flew off. Um, we've got people, we've got everybody kind of tucked in our little private room. So we think we're safe, but there's no power. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on with Mike and Aubrey. And, uh, you know, that, that was it, you know, I kind of wanted to just try to get down there, but I yeah. double check the weather, you know, obviously that panic hits. So you're, you're just trying to get down there ASAP to figure out what's going on and see how you can help. Um, but I kind of waited about 30 minutes because the weather was saying like, Hey, there's, this thing is still passing through. Um, Great. another, another one was potentially about to spin up. So, you know, I didn't want to leave my house in the car and then get caught up in it again or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I hung back for about 30 minutes and then, uh, I couldn't get my car past with the wine merchant. Um, so I just parked and walked and, uh, you know, ran into a regular of ours, uh, right, right there. And we walked down together just to have a buddy system. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, in that probably 45 minutes or 55 minutes kind of from the phone call, um, an ambulance had already made it out, um, to try to, uh, help them. Um, so when I arrived, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to say everything was already done, but you know, I kind of showed up and, you know, it was, it was a couple of people left, in Attaboy, but the cops were already there pushing everybody further down because there was a gas leak across the street. Um, so oh, that was like a, whole, a whole nother secondary concern. It was, you know, mostly just, I, I got in, figured out what I could and, mm -hmm. you know, large to see what the damage was, um, and made sure my staff at Lakeside was all right. And, uh, you know, I big props to my kitchen manager, uh, at the time, um, his name is DJ Pitts, um, and he he was really smart and called me right away and was like, "Hey, we lost power. I smell gas. I don't think it's coming from us. But I'm, I'm going to shut all the gas off and shut the power wow. off." And he just he that just said he's like, and he's like, "There's like 20 people in here. There's open tabs, but like, I'm just going to lock the door and get everybody away from the building." And I was like, "Dude, that is the smartest thing you could be doing. Like, I don't care. Yeah. The, you know, the open tabs. Like, let's right. make sure everybody." So. Uh, yeah, popped up there and made sure they're all right. And, uh, yeah, the cops are just moving everybody towards the crying wolf. So we just kind of listened to that and kind of gathered down there and all try to wrap our heads around things. And then just started calling people, um, to make sure they're all right. Cause we knew it was at that point knew it was going through Inglewood and Madison. And, you know, I've got employees who mm -hmm. live up there. Were you able to, to see inside Attaboy and, and, like mm -hmm. get in or was it sort of like checking from outside? No, I, I was able to get in. I mean, I, when I showed up, the cops were like, Hey, like, who are you? And I was like, Hey, I'm the owner. Like, I just want to wrangle everybody, make sure everything's all right. As much as yeah. you could check being all right, of course. Um, but do you remember what time, like I'm trying to paint a picture for, for our listeners, right? Like what, this was late. Probably one thirty two yeah. by the time 
down there, I think. So middle of the night, and obviously the power is off everywhere. It's like pitch dark. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't lose power at my building. So, like, again, I I kind of was in disbelief, like, when my employee called me, and he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's nuts. Like, we're not sure what's going on with Mike and Aubrey. We're not sure with this. Like, But, like, everybody inside is okay. But we're just, like, we're just going to lock the door and bounce. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, totally get that. But I was like, damn, like, how bad is this thing? Like, I didn't lose power at the Clio. Like, it flickered and it went back on. And then, you know, come to find out, I mean, if it had slid over, you know, another two blocks, you know, I probably would have maybe not been talking to you guys. Um, yeah. You know, just seeing what it did to, to the Amplified building and like, you know, Fieldhouse Jones. And I mean, the whole thing is so strange. Like you look at, you look at the, tall, the tallest building on the block and that's WeWork. And I don't even think they had a broken window. The area like where Burger Up is completely right. smashed yeah. up as well. And the, the water main had burst. And the water was flying like up in the air that night, right? I don't know if you saw all that, but there was con- my friend was telling me there was concern that there were fires, right? Because you smelled the gas, yeah, and you saw where water mains had burst, and there's like water flying everywhere. So it's like, are, are buildings on fire? Like, I mean, I can only imagine how unsettling this whole thing is. No, for sure. Yeah, it feels like something out of a movie. It's very surreal. Um, but, uh, and, yeah, I mean, the rest of the night was just kind of trying to get bearings and check on people. And then, you know, at a certain point, I think it was like 4, 4.30, and I was like, all right, well, I mean, inside of Attaboy initially didn't look too bad. Um, you know, we had water everywhere. Um, but what essentially happened mm-hmm. is we had a pitched metal roof um, that was added to the building. Um, when we became tenants and underneath that was an old roof that they, they, they took off the original part, but uh, a secondary layer of corrugated steel was beneath that from the original building. And so we actually had a little bit of additional coverage um, that I think kind of helped um, when the roof know. did get taken off. So we had like a layer of steel underneath that, which, you know, is older. So there was like, you know, rusted spots and, and some holes in there. So, you know, initially it didn't look too terrible, but the next morning it was apparent that like a ton of moisture had gotten to the the drywall and the ceiling and uh, we had a collapse in the corner. Um, but, you know, at, at the time it's dark in there, power's out. All I see is a bunch of water on the ground. I don't see any direct damage. So I was like, oh, maybe yeah. it's not too bad. You know, maybe just the roof went and like the rest of the building's structurally sound. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, once yeah, like four or four thirty hit, I was like, "Well, there's, I can't do anything else right now. I gotta wait till the morning to call insurance people and call landlords and all that stuff." So, uh, got a couple hours of sleep and then got back up at seven thirty just to try to start ironing everything out. You know. Yeah, and then once it was, it was the next day, and and then you start kind of finding out about more damage and all that stuff. What mm-hmm. I mean, it's. You know, it's one of those, we talk about it, how it, I mean, it was the perfect storm of, we had the tornado and then a week, like a week later, COVID hit. So rebuilding and and stuff kind of got put on the back burner for everybody. Did you, how, how was that? Was it frustrating to, to know you had, you had this damage and you couldn't do anything? Yeah. I mean, you, I don't want to say you feel helpless, but uh, yeah, it definitely was like. There's no, I, there's no playbook really for, 
any of the stuff that's happened the last year, you know, I mean, on a bigger level, everybody in hospitality, like there's no playbook on a pandemic. So, you know, but you're right. I mean, it, it, it was definitely bubbling up as a concern. And then I feel like the week after the tornado or so, that seven to 10 days, like it all got forgotten about and, you know, everybody was trying to come together and support. And I don't think I'd have to look at when it actually got announced, but I don't think it got really real for a lot of people until the NBA canceled their season. Mm. As funny as that sounds, but it's like, it took, it took like a major sporting thing uh, to kind of like cement its danger and threat in the States. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it was blinders on just with, with all the tornado stuff for that first 10 days after. And then, you know, we got power back and we were able to open up Lakeside and like three days later they announced the city shutting down. So it was, you know, it was definitely like, all right, let's just, let's just try, you know, I think that's been the whole year is like, let's just try our best to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and and good tornado stuff, you know, like I don't have any experience dealing with insurance, you know, I've like, I've. You know, I just got health insurance like two years ago, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, it definitely was a crash course, but I, I, I had a great, we have a great, um, a great insurance agent who really kind of helped guide us through everything. And, um, yeah, it was not a, an easy nor fun process, um, but we were, we and were leaving. once in- you, yeah, thank God. Yeah. Once, once you we're able to open back up. I mean, mm-hmm. the combination of, of, of taking care of the damage, but then also COVID stuff. Was it, was it exciting? Was it bittersweet? I mean, was it, what was that experience like? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I would lean more towards like bittersweet, um, you mm-hmm. know, a, because you know, you're, you're, I think you're maybe not reminded as much of the of the loss of life when you're not working in the space every day. Um, right. Nice thing for for you know most of us in, in of the staff members I had during that time only only two didn't return so I, I retained nine staff members. Um, wow. And you know one had a another opportunity and the other was like yeah you know this is like a nudge for me to you know kind of pursue this other thing I've been kind of dabbling with so. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, for us, obviously being a, a very small staff and very tight crew, um, you're definitely reminded more of that event and the loss being in there every day. So it definitely was bittersweet. It was triumphant because we, we kind of rebuilt and overcame, but then, you know, you're kind of, there's that kind of, you know, inherent sadness that comes with, um, being back in there and, and doing our thing and working and, you know, you can feel that something's missing and you know what it is. And, um, it's definitely Do hard. You, did you feel that the city, um, I mean, I know we talk about Nashville being, you know, community based kind of city. Did you guys get much support from the community during all this? I mean, did people were, you know, did you feel like you were supported and helped? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think with COVID, you know, more of the hands-on stuff had to taper off naturally, but, um, you know, throughout spring, summer, and into fall, like, I mean, everyone kind of either financially supporting, you know, reaching out, sending messages. Um, you know, we set up a GoFundMe just to try to, you know, shepherd the staff through, you know, some of the rougher stuff. Because naturally, you know, we were, without COVID, we, we would have been like very adequately insured and been able to pay the staff. But, you know, the minute 
the minute the city shut down, they pulled the rug on uh, the additional kind of like uh, payroll support that, you know, mm. I mean, everybody who has an insurance policy, I don't know a single person who got COVID, COVID-related coverage, you know. Wow. Um, so, you know, the guy called me and he's like, hey, I know I promised you like a month of, of payroll support and loss of business income and all these things that part of your plan, but, you know, COVID's not in your policy. And, you know, sure enough, the language is in there. It was legit. Um, and, you know, wow. you speak, speak to other hospitality people and they're, everyone's like, listen, it's going to take like a big restaurant group to take this to court and win for all of us to actually try to actually get anything. But I mean, in the end, you know, we were lucky that there was a, a tremendous amount of support uh, in that GoFundMe that was really able to kind of float the staff for the first couple months. And then, you know, they got on unemployment and, um, we were able to just kind of, it, it was very much like monkey bars. You know, it was like every time the grip was slipping on the backhand, you were able to grab on something else to kind of make a rent. Um, you know, liquor brands helping us put on Zoom classes to raise money, um, you know, selling, selling some T-shirts and just trying to figure out ways to kind of um, support everybody. And, you know, most of that was coming through, you know, people either, either donating or purchasing or just, um, being there for us, but, you know, definitely the, the, the words of encouragement were, were wind in the sails for, for those first like six to eight weeks, you know? So here we are, it's been a year now, right? So how, how are things for, for you guys now? Uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're hanging in there. Um, I think as things are able to open later, uh, that's just going to help us out. I mean, we're definitely stable um, from the business side of things. Um, but, you know, when we first reopened, it was a 10 o'clock last call. And I mean, if you guys right. know the bar, like we're open till 3 a.m. every night. And as as are we at Lakeside, like our businesses are built around like late night. And, mm-hmm. you know, being open till 3 every night, like Portland Storm style, like we're not going to close early. We're not going to like, eh, sorry, it was slow. Like we just shut a little early. It's like, you want to roll in at two thirty and having a groni and a shot of rum, like we got you. Um, but you know, we were losing out on five hours of business uh, yeah. for the first month. So course, it, it, yeah. it was pretty hard there. I mean, the capacity restrictions don't kill us too hard because we have all, all kind of a seated structure anyway. Um, oh, that's good. You know, so we're able to do a, a decent amount of, of seating in there um, with spacing the bar out and, the five, six kind of table areas. So we, we weren't too fussed on the capacity stuff. And, you know, honestly, I'd rather, I'd rather deal with half capacity the rest of the year and be able to open till three than in full capacity and having to shut early. So, um, yeah. But yeah, and now we're about what midnight. We're back to one. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the one o'clock close, but it's a midnight last call. So really you're able to Got capture it. rest. Okay. And then everybody can kind of stay and enjoy their stuff for an hour and then they got to be out out of the building. Got it. Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're feeling like things are on the upswing there. Um, You know, I mean, all my colleagues are dealing with this, but you know, there's mass pushback and there's, you know, that sort of stuff that you just kind of deal with on a nightly basis. Um, And, you know, we're probably on the East side. I think we're dealing with it in in a smaller proportion than say the other side of town. But yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. You know, there's fatigue. People, people are tired of doing this stuff. And, uh, you know, everyone's a little, a little kind of cranky about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of, you know, a nightly obstacle that can come up. Um, 
Yeah. But yes, as we can stay open later, it also kind of spreads out the business a little bit too. Like what we were finding on that, on that, on those 10 o'clock last calls and even the 11 o'clock last calls is, you know, people weren't altering how they were going out too much. So they still were eating dinner at 7.30. And then they were going out to drink, but then they're like, oh, I have, I have like an hour and 15 minutes to drink the amount I was going to drink for the whole night. The Tennessean picked my brain on some of the stuff and I, I just expressed, I was like, I honestly think you're creating more of danger to the drunk driving yeah. thing consumption of alcohol oh yeah the time then you are on covid spread by claiming that inhibitions are going to get so low that people are going to be like you know spitting on each other and, and just like you know being crazy without a mask um right and so the, it, it's helped us now too where we're not just getting bum rushed and buried with you know customers coming in all at once it's a little more spread out a little more measured so um yeah, we'll see. And, you know, we've, we've been fortunate. We've, you know, gotten the PPP stuff and, you know, gotten some grants and uh, just been able oh, to good. weather the storm. But I think everybody in our industry right now, it's, uh, doing well is literally keeping your head above water. Like, that's the new yeah. kind of, hey, we're For doing sure. all right. We're just surviving, you know, where before it's like, hey, we're doing all right. We're putting a little money away. We're doing this, doing that. Well, we're all hopeful that's going to change soon. You know what I mean? Fingers crossed vaccinations will be back to – prosperity and health. Well, listen, Brandon, we really appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing the story today. And uh, we want to encourage everybody to visit. And so they obviously there's no reservation stuff like that. But please, you guys, you have to check out Attaboy. They make amazing drinks. And we certainly want to support our local bars. So thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media at Nashville Lifestyles. On everything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Nashville Lifestyles.